Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia Cook, and um, I have a, a really good show today. And uh, it's I'm from World of Ink, Michigan Avenue Media, and uh, today we are having a show on the crisis in America, opioids, and uh, Fran Lewis had had both authors on, Michael Embry and um, Kate Genovese, and um, I was listening on the show, and then Fran asked if I'd like to have them on the show, and I said yes, and uh, they were on together at Fran's show, and now they're going to be together again, so they know each other uh, from being on air together, and so it's going to be a very good show. Um, As you know, we do different subjects, and this is one I've not done before, but this is a big crisis out there, and there's probably nobody listening that has not had someone affected by this. And um, what we're going to begin the show with, both both of them will be just saying what they do, and they they both have written other books, so they this isn't their first you know time out, but they do have a really good subject, and it's um, touching books. So I will let um, Michael, you want to go first, and just you can give a brief you know summary of what you do, and then Kate can go, and then we'll just have our discussion. Okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, thank you, Marcia. We're having this on the show, up? first of all. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I guess I'm a full-time novelist now. Uh, I'm retired from my other jobs. I uh, spent more than 30 years in the media working as a reporter and uh, editor and sports writer and, and things like that. And uh, over the course of that time, I've written 12, 12 books, uh, including eight novels, and my last two novels are part of a series called the John Ross uh, Boomer Lit series, and it's these are novels that appeal to, uh, I hope they appeal to, to uh, baby boomers. And uh, the first one was called uh, Old Ways and New Days, and uh, and, and the, the latest is called Darkness Beyond the Light, which uh, uh, focuses uh, somewhat on the uh, opioid uh, crisis. So that's uh, that's about where I am right now. I'm also working on a third book in the series, and I hope to have that published uh, later this year. So you're busy. You're very busy, yep. actually. <laughs> you know that's what happens. You know you you know you think that you're not going to be working as much, and then you end up working more when you when you're writing. Well, it's always out. it's always working. Okay, and Kate, do you want to give everybody a, yeah a little inside uh-huh. info? Sure. Um, I was a nurse for, uh, geez, close to 42 years now, and I had my um, knee replaced in November, and I decided not to go back to work yet because my book came out just in the same time, which is called Hatchets from Heaven, and it's a story about my son who overdosed accidentally, and I'm so into getting it out there and getting it on all different radios and TV and print that I don't have time to go back to work. So I'm hoping I can make money with this, and it seems like I am. All right, well, that's so a good I thing, really you know, to make. It. That's good. I mean, it's good. You know, it's a very important subject, you know. I mean, so um, when you wrote this, did you think this was going to happen where, you know, people would be so interested in hearing about this? 
well, subject. You know, it's it's funny. Well, it's going on. It's it's an epidemic. It's huge in Boston. It, yeah. It's it's scary. It's scary. In one town that is going north of me, there was over the weekend there's 356 over the overdoses. Um, yes, huge. We've got to talk about it. People have asked me to just get up there in front of high schools and talk about it, which I'm willing to do. I just it just bothers me so much. It's so sad that my son died because of this. You know, it was accidental. I know, and he he was getting on the, <clears throat> he was getting better, and he was trying to get back to his old job. And you know, he just slipped. He just thought he'd be okay, and he wasn't. Yeah, it broke my heart. I miss him tremendously, but I want to make it up through my work, through my book, and I hope people buy it. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I was, I was just saying to both of you before the show uh, began that I was mentioning about, you know, what kind of show I'm giving on to the people in my office, and um, one of the women, she just had a problem with her knee, and. She's right now on crutches, but she couldn't get over the fact of right off the bat they gave her the prescription for Vicodin for um, 60, 60 pills for 30 days, and she's tiny. And if she took, she's just, you know, it's very hard to, to, you know, I think when you're taking a pill, some of the, the Vicodin is not easy on the whole system. And she said if she took them all, she would be worried if she would be getting an addiction and to boot, they weren't that expensive, and they just write it out so frequently, you know, that the doctors just say, oh, here, here it is, okay, here's the prescription. And then so I know that, Michael, do you want to take that kind of like, how do you think that can stop? I mean, I work for doctors, and they do write scripts, but, you know, sometimes when you give that many pills and they're small, you know, you sometimes have to see how much they weigh and, you know, and give them that much, and in 30 days, 60 pills, they may need them the rest of their life. Would you, I mean, because you, you know, either of you have written books, both of you have written books, so does anybody want to say something? Michael, you want to say something to that, you know, why the doctors uh, keep doing this? I I have no idea. Uh, You know, I I guess uh, you would think that they would know, but, you know, I guess there's some... Is anything you know? There's, there's probably a few unscrupulous doctors out there, and there's some clueless doctors out there. And I think a lot of them are just clueless when they when they hand out prescriptions like this. Uh, you know, I've read that in, uh, in, in my research that I think in 2009 or 2010, or maybe it was even uh, more recent than that, 240 million 30-day prescriptions had been written by doctors to people, and that that would cover all the adult population in the United States. And uh, it's, you know, of course, you know, if, if you follow the news, a lot of, you know, there are pain doctors out there, and there are pain meals and whatever, and, and some doctors have have, have, uh, have been sent to jail for it, uh, uh, for their, you know, unscrupulous behavior and, and just, you know, just handing these things out like uh, candy on Halloween, uh, yeah, and, uh, but this just becomes normal. I mean, Kate, you're you're a nurse. I mean, it becomes normal that like after you see the doctor, they give you a prescription and they go by. And what if you end up going to ten other doctors that give you the prescription? Well, the only thing now they can't do that because it's in the computer. Once you get a prescription, so it's a triplicate. Is it a triplicate then when they write it in the same as it used to be, or no? Or they just write no. it in and then. You have to use the same doctor for the same medication, the same narcotic. So, for instance, when I had my knee replacement, I could go to anybody but my surgeon. My surgeon had to write it. If I tried to get another prescription from another surgeon, I could not. That is a new rule. But I will say, they gave me 90 when I left there. Wow. 90. And I did not need 90 of them. And, you know, I I, I feel like yep. I should be to use them. So, um, See, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you can do that with, a you know, let's say, you know, a nose spray, whatever. And you know, they're pretty careful nowadays. Even they give an antibiotic, they go, okay, five days, no refills. So why would they, you know, it doesn't, it seems ridiculous that they would give, 
you know, like Vicodin or any of these pain things that could be a problem for people. And when they get any other prescription, they'll say no refills, but it's for a certain amount of days, like five days, seven days, ten days. And then if you want it, if you still have an infection, you have to call them to get another yep. prescription. Yeah. I did have to call them for more. They yep. cut me down, though, like 10 a week, and I wanted that. I wanted to be cut down. I didn't yeah. want to argue and say, oh, I need more, because I really didn't. I, I mean, I knew I could handle it with Motrin <clears throat> after the third week, and even people said to me, wow, you took that for three weeks, and I said, I really had to with the physical therapist coming in. She yeah. was killing me. But well, that's another story. That's another story. Sometimes the physical therapy can be there. You know, and a lot of people, when they have physical therapy, it really doesn't work because they end up getting some other problem because when you're doing other things for, like, say, for your knee, then your back could go out, you know, and sometimes the physical therapy is really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they don't realize sometimes about the other. They're working on one part of your body, but then the other parts might not, you know, be able to handle what they get let you do in therapy, yeah, we depending call, on where you get the therapy. Call, yeah, we call them physical terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it it is intense, you know. I mean, because there are people that go in for, you know, back, problem and then they have them on the ball and they're rolling back and forth and then they come something else comes up from that you know so sometimes physical therapy because a lot of times when people have physical therapy the therapist is doing three or four at a time so she leaves one person one place and then she goes to another person and then the person is sitting there going like what did she tell me to do and then they don't do it right and they could really be injured so I think the system in that case, you may, you know, that's why you may have one problem and end up with another and then end up taking pain pills for a lot longer than you might need. Yeah, that's true. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, one thing, go ahead. I, yeah, one thing I, uh, I found, too, in my research is that, you know, over in Europe and, uh, and, and even in other countries, uh, they, uh, they're they more attuned to, to pain management. Uh, they they They'll they'll give you the, your oxycodone or whatever during surgery or whatever, but when it's all over with, they'll give you Motrin or ibuprofen or, or whatever you know, because they, they, they will, the doctors and uh, physical therapists will, will tell you that you know pain is part of the healing process, and and, it, and the way to gauge if you're improving is, is, is the level of pain, and of course over the over the, the days or, or weeks perhaps maybe not. Hopefully not weeks, but the pain, you know, lessens, and uh, you're on the uh, road to recovery. But where, you know, when they give the opioids, it, it, it will mask all that. You have no idea where you're at, and the next thing you know, yep. you have this addiction that, that you have to have these things to, to, yep. to, uh, to go on day by day. And yeah, that's how They're this all really starts. So, you know, um, seeing that both of you have been, you know, really, deal, you know, when you write a book, you do research, and, you know, not only in your own life and what other things have happened to people you know, what would you tell, uh, Kate, people that, you know, what what are the signs that people can look for that maybe somebody in their family is addicted and they're not knowing it? Well, there's a lot of physical signs, um, you know, um, the just side effects of the narcotics, like you're very itchy. You come in and you're scratching your nose, you scratch your back, and you're slurring your speech, and your eyes are pin, meaning your pupils are getting smaller, and you just slurring. And, you know, they can say, oh, I'm just tired, I've had a long day, and you kind of believe them. And then you just keep questions. what I did. I kept questioning it, like, wait a minute, you're not always this, this tired. And, yeah. um, you know, my son had so many um, surgeries, it was it was hard to tell him. Plus, he didn't live at home. He lived in a boarding school for high school. So I don't I don't even think that uh, the... Um, so they didn't the know what they... They know. didn't notice anything was different in his personality? Um, 
no, they did not. They he he would put his head in the desk sometimes, and they'd say, "Gino, sit up," and then he'd sit up, and then he'd be fine. He'd, I don't know. Sometimes when he took them, he got high from them, and he was like jiggly, you know, like he he got yeah. high. He was bugged. Yeah, yeah. Michael, do you have anything to Michael, did you want to add to that of, of for anybody out there that's listening that maybe, you know, they may be dealing with someone that does have this and they're not seeing the signs? Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh everybody's different, you know. We all right. deal right. With, right. with with things and uh from you know, from what I could well from what together, you know, a lot of people who are who are who are di- who have addictions and I think we need to realize too that it's a disease. Is that uh, they're not proud of it, and, and they usually go do things, right. you know, uh, behind closed doors. Well, you know, that's when they take their pills. They don't sit there and, and take their pills in front of their parents or in front of their spouses or children no, right, or whatever. Right. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's kind of a sneaky kind of thing. And I think that's why it kind of those who uh, who uh, who discover it among a family member or, or a friend or whatever they're. They're astonished. I mean, they're, they're, they they can't believe it because it's they, they've never seen them do this, and all of a sudden they they kind of walk in on them, or they or they catch them in in some delirium or whatever, and uh, it's it just uh, it, it, they're, they're flabbergasted by it all. And uh, I think you know a lot of family even that even has to be, along with alcoholism or any other kind of addiction, you know, it's addiction. Just, uh, yeah. Uh huh. It's just something that that. Uh, that uh, that they don't really want to, unless it's you know, you know, far along to where they, they they've lost all touch, you know, all sense of reality or whatever, you know. Uh, uh, that that most that most times that they want to you know, keep it out of sight from 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 people they care about. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, you know, right, they become, you know, very secretive, you know, you can't say, and even, you know, I was mentioning to both of you when I had talked to you either, um, a few weeks ago, that, you know, even years ago, you know, I had several friends that were, you know, and I was already married, and some of them were still getting high, and um, this was, you know, what they did, and so when we were kids, you know, you're a kid, you don't want to tell the parents, but we did. And it was really hard, but we didn't have any choice because we knew if we didn't, then this person's life was not going to, you know, there would be a short span of life. So we did tell the parents, and that's a hard thing to do for kids to tell other, you know, parents. That's not a thing that they want to do. But because we did that, that person is was got a great job after they were done in a rehab. They had a wonderful life, and... Everything is fine, but had they have not done it or we had not done it, I do not think that person would have had a good life at all and probably had a short span of life. And I know people, you know, if you have a child, you know, you don't want to tell the other spot, you know, your husband or wife, you want to keep it a secret maybe because, you know, you don't want everybody to know what your relatives, but sometimes if you have to turn your own child into a re- or put them in a rehab, it is really for their own good, and when they get better, they will appreciate it, and not certainly not at the time you're doing it. But I think people don't want to do that. So, I mean, wouldn't you say that would be, I mean, if, you're, if you notice things that are wrong, sometimes you have to do more than just talk to them because it doesn't work that way. Just talking because they will look at you and probably lie. Would you hear yeah. that or? Yeah. Now, I was wondering, what would you, you know, say? Kate, how, how, how many times was your uh, was Gino in, in rehab? Um, Gino never was in rehab. He every time he said he was going to go into rehab, he'd take off. He'd take off out of the house. He wouldn't see him for weeks, and uh-huh. then he'd come back all sober and working. The only thing that happened to him was he went to jail because he got in a car accident with his company car, and that was it. You know, he went to, um, they had him going home arrest. We tried to get him into um, a rehab, and there was no bed. He had mass health, which is free insurance, and none of them would take him, none of them. It was horrible. We found a place in Florida that would take him and make him work. 
And the judge said, no, he can't do that. And he threw the piece of paper at the lawyer. <laughs> it was awful. And we uh-huh. really couldn't find a bed for him. We truly could not around here. So, see, that's, I, I, mean, that's, I, I mean, that's one of the problems. So, you know, see, that seems to be something that's very sad, that, um, you know, that that could happen in this day and age. And maybe true. 20 years Unless ago, 30 money. years ago, maybe. But now when people are realizing what a crisis this is, why the system doesn't change things. Unless you have money around here and... You know, or you're lucky and you can get a mass health bed. You have to have money to get into these places. My girlfriend spent on her son $40,000 for one month. And he did great while he was in there. And then three months later, he relapsed. Like the, yeah. the money went down the toilet. Terrible. Michael, did you want to say something? I think I interrupted. Well, actually, I was going to say that, that you know that the rehab itself is. Uh, I think a lot of people need to realize it's it's, it's probably going to be a, a lifelong endeavor. I mean, it, it's it, you, you're really never over the addiction. I mean, it's uh, everything I've I've seen, you know, or, or read, you know, it's uh, if you if you don't stay focused on your addiction. You don't want to go to classes or or, or or do something, you know, that whatever the counselors recommend, that that you're going you're, you're in all likelihood you're going to relapse because it the, the opioids you know take take such a strong hold of your life. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh you know that, right, and you know, and certainly if you keep it a secret from your family and whatever, and you know you run out of money, and then you know you start borrowing money. You know, everything gets more complicated than it ever did, you know, at the beginning. You know, there's so many complications from starting that way, you know. And right. then some people just feel probably it's hopeless, but it really isn't. But I think, so what do you think that um, can be done? I mean, you know, they talk about it a lot that there's the crisis, but what would you say would be a good idea, either of you, what would what would be a good idea that maybe that our government can do to help the people that are, you know, needing services that aren't getting them. Well, this is me. Uh, uh, one thing I, uh, I understand about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, that they used to have uh, treatment judges, and they kind of got away from that. And uh, But they were very effective back in the early 80s. And, uh, and, and then uh, I, I guess uh, drug use wasn't, I mean, it's always been somewhat high, but it really took off in the 90s with oxycodone and things like that. The pharmaceutical companies started really pushing that, marketing it to doctors. So it's only been around for about 20, 25, you know, about yeah. 20 years probably. And uh, from what I can understand is that we really need to go back to, to treatment judges. Instead of incarcerating somebody, uh, putting, them in, putting them in jail for 30 days or a year or whatever – if they're not receiving any kind of treatment, any kind of rehab, they're going to come out. Of, and the point is that they could probably get the drugs in jail anyway. But if they do, certain do, do right, certain right, yeah, that, well, that's behavior, for sure. That, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to go. They're going to go back to the drugs, but they need the treatment. They need the rehab. And I think there's yeah. a push right now, from, at least from what I, I can understand, uh, uh, to uh, to go back to, to that. Uh, Way of, of dealing with uh, with people with addictions. Yeah, I, I think you know yeah. sometimes in life some of the older methods work a lot better than the newer ones. So uh, you know, um, like I, I can remember when I was working with the pediatricians, you know, that there were several people that had kept coming in for uh, you know cough medicine. They were sick, you know, and they and they eventually died, you know, which but. It's not just on, you know, opioids and, you know, these kind of pills because if you want to get stoned, you can, you know. And parents, you know, I think it's not only parents. It's, you know, what if you're a mother or father or there's something your children may notice, you know, because sometimes, you know, kids know, you know, they can know when their parents have a problem, but they just probably don't know what to do about it. You know, so hopefully they have somebody in the family that would help. 
<clears throat> or a teacher or, or a counselor at school, if they could just speak up. Sometimes they're embarrassed, but once they speak up, it's awesome because I've been a school nurse. I was a school nurse for six years, and, you know, finally kids came out and started saying, my parents did this, my parents did that. Yeah. I ended up having a club with them at lunchtime, and they yeah. could talk about their issues. And it was really good. They they got to bring their parents in finally and talk about it. So that worked. I mean, that was just six people, but that worked. So if they can just open up and talk about it, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it, it's yeah. A, you know, it, it seems like it would be easier than not because it is hard, you know, for people to, you know, like, you know, look at themselves and see what's happened to their life. You know, I mean, I used to always say to my husband, we would watch movies. I said, here they're going to have the scene, because I write screenplays and whatever, and I say, here's the scene in the movie where the person looks at themselves in the mirror and goes, that they don't know who they are anymore and what am I doing to myself. And almost every movie has that. So that person has to really look in the mirror and look and say, look at what happened to me. But they have to be the one initially to be able to see that this happened to them. And, you know, you can only help if they'll go along with it, I would assume. I mean, you know, Michael, I mean, you naturally you've been doing journalism and you're doing a lot of stories for years. So you've seen this for years and years. This is not new. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you know, I, I think with, uh, as Kate mentioned with Gino, I mean, there's a, there's that the denial that they, I don't have this kind of problem, you know, and if I, I'm not doing it that much or I can overcome this, it's, you know, it's just, uh, no, it's just too much. Uh, I mean, it's such, a, it's such an obstacle that I think the person who is taking these things are, are, don't realize, that, you know, what they're up against. And then yeah. it gets deeper and deeper and deeper for them. To where they, and there's younger they, and younger. Younger and younger children are starting to be, you know, uh, Getting high at young ages, and the schools, you know, they probably should be. Old. The schools should be noticing sometimes. Eleven and twelve years old. Yeah. Just starting yeah. that early, it's horrible. Yeah. It's sad. They need to um, pick up on this really quickly. And our, um, I don't know. I just don't feel like in my community we're doing enough. You know, we should be in there monthly to these kids the police talking to them or somebody like it, it should be right it, right it should be ongoing programs you know all the time you know and every going. school yeah i think yeah i think one of the things you know which we see with like a lot of things going on in the government it should be like kind of uniform i mean we are on computers now and everybody's on a system so i mean mm-hmm. it should be easier than years ago to get everybody you know, in the same, you know, organization, uh, let's say nationwide, you know, it, it shouldn't be hard because all you do is have to go into the system. So that would be a good thing, I think, if they would all be involved in it, you know, not just because it's happening everywhere. It doesn't matter, you know, where you, you live. Know, well, you know, yeah. they've, uh, they've uh, I, I think you're, you're aware of the D.A.R.E. program, Uh Drug abuse resistance education program that was that's been uh-huh. in schools since 1983, and uh-huh. uh, back in 2009 they decided that uh, it really wasn't working, and uh, they 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 changed the focus of it. Uh, previously, it was uh, they were using facts, I guess, kind of the scare kids, you know, these third and fourth, fifth graders, you know, about yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, the, the bad things about drugs, but they've changed that since 2009, and they're and they're seeing some positive some positive results among younger people, and they're they're trying to teach the kids to make smart decisions regarding yeah. drugs. Yeah. And uh, it, apparently, it, you know, they think it's sinking in because it's kind of it's kind of leveled off now. I mean, it's still bad. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, back in uh, 2015, you know. Uh, Drug, drug overdoses killed more than 64,000 people. So right. it, it, it's an epidemic. It's a crisis. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think there's a, you know, with kids, you know, sometimes you don't know. I mean, you could be looking right at them and sometimes don't see the symptoms. But when you are in an addiction, if you notice something, I, I think that you would notice the behavior day to day if you're really 
you know, paying attention to your children or, you know, I think we've had people on the show. I know Virginia and I, like, you know, sometimes years ago people would, you know, they would sit down to dinner and they would all have a discussion, whatever, and that was then. It's like, you know, but now people have a lot of activities, everybody's working, and there are parents that sometimes they're working two jobs, so they don't really see their kids a lot. So they don't know when they, you know, what's going on because they're not in the house. And when they come home, the kids are either sleeping or doing homework, and they don't pay attention because they're exhausted also. Well, I think it's a good point, uh, Marcia, that, uh, you know, that this, the, the latchkey kids have been around for about 50 years now, you know, with, yeah. with both parents working. And, uh, of course, you, you always read about the single moms who are trying to it's make hard. ends meet. Yeah, it's you know, difficult. Working, yeah. Yeah, working, two, working two or three jobs, and the kids have no supervision. Uh, but, you know, the, you know I remember back when I was about 12, 13, 14 years old, when I didn't have any supervision, I was – I might get up, you know, be up to no good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah. luckily, I was, I was, I had, I had good parents, and I was involved in sports and things like that. But I knew a lot of kids about it. But, uh, yeah, and you know, you can't always say that. You know, also that you know that it, you could be, you know, the best parent ever, and sitting with your child and knowing, and you know, being with them all the time, and you don't know certain things about them because that has never changed. That kids do keep secrets, you know, from their parents, and adults keep. A lot of secrets from their children. So, and sometimes if adults have had drug problems and maybe they want to talk to their children about it, they don't want to say that they did, but maybe sometimes they should, you know, because that would maybe they could feel like on the same level as them and understand it more. But sometimes parents keep secrets also. From their children. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea to be honest about it. And if you haven't. If you had an addiction and you're over it and, you know, it was a long time ago, you could talk right. to them about it. And say, yes. Look, at you're heading down the wrong path, I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. just try to be loving about it. I think that's You know, it won't help everybody way. because some kids, don't, they don't, you know, whenever their parents are talking to them, they're not listening. And that, that happens. I mean, that's life, yeah. you know. And that does happen. You know, you could, your children, you know, think a lot of times that, oh, what do they know? They're my parents. You know, everybody's gone through that, you know. But, and teachers, you know, I mean, with today's world, there's so much going on. It's like certain things are just going on the wayside. I, you know, as, a, as you know, United States needs to get together on a lot of issues, you know, because our kids are the ones that are going to be suffering from this. You know, because, you know, they're watching the news. They're seeing everybody fight all the time. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that are very stressful in this world. And even in high school, having to go to college, people, you know, kids, they, they're they so worried about college, you know, that they're not going to get into the right school, that they're not going to, you know, have friends. There's so much stress that I think. Well, one, yeah, one thing they did around here, I'm sorry to interrupt, but. One no, thing okay. they did around here is uh, when I had gone back to nursing school in 1985, we had a lot of mental health buildings, really nice mental health facilities for yeah. people mm-hmm. with mental illness, for people with drug addiction. They closed them all down, and they put these people out on the street, and they said that they were making, um, you know, like houses for them, housing for them, for the homeless. And it was ridiculous. Now they're all condos. You have all these people walking on the street that are, are drinking. There's nowhere to go. It's freezing out. They're sleeping under tents. I mean, it's pitiful what they did. Because yeah. you're right, because that, that's, not, that's nationwide. We, we have that in Frankfort, Kentucky. My yeah. wife and I, we were in San Francisco a few years ago, and there were homeless people all over the place. And it's you, you hear about it in New Mexico. I mean, it's just uh, you're right. Back in the '80s, they, they closed down a lot of these mental facilities, and uh, they just they just opened the doors and let the people out, and they had nowhere to go except the streets. And uh, from the yeah, they have closed they, they, they have closed down a lot of those. Yes, they have. And you know, I mean, they uh, in, in general. You know, things in the United States, you know, these are the things that make us strong when, when the kids are strong and they feel safe, you know. And, I mean, right now we are in a bad time, so I really don't know what's going to happen with a lot of kids because I think, you know, 
they, there's just so much, you know, and like I was, you know, we I have these discussion with some, you know, people a lot of times, and we talk about the stress, and that's, you know, everybody does have a lot of stress, and, you know, that's the same remark that everybody says, oh, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, but the fact of the matter is being stressed can be one of the worst things that could ever happen to anybody because then they are susceptible to doing lots of different things and addiction and a lot of things. You know, right. just to be not thinking about what's going on. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's a total escape from all the, yeah. as they proceed from, you know, the pressures in the world. As you mentioned, the young kids, you know, they, uh, you know, they might not, you know, get into the school they want or, or things like yeah. that. But, you know, even they might not even be able to afford to go to college if they want right. to. It's, right. It's so expensive anymore. I mean, then they go out and try yeah. to find a job and they find that they can make, only eight dollars an hour, which won't even pay for a monthly rent. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's just so much, so many things Right, which going is what's on. happening it's now. Just, which, uh, which really is, you know, it's it's very sad in a lot of ways because a lot of kids, you know, they say, oh yeah, fine, I I'm not going to go to college, and because they're not going to go, because they know when they get out, they're not going to have a job. So then they're going to have nothing but bills. So right. everything is turning around. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things. And I think by, you know, Kate going out and you going out, I, I, do you go out to schools at all or to talk about your books? Because even if it's, you know, a fiction book, it's, it's the, you have done all this research. You're a journalist. So what do you both think about that when you go out? I mean, are they, when you're talking to people, are they receptive to this? Well. Are you talking to me? Either of you, either of you. You know, if are you, you know, are you feeling that when you're talking, um, they're listening? Yeah, I just started doing it though. Um, okay. You know, because I hadn't been able to go out because of my knee. So for the last month, I've been doing it, and I'm getting very good reception. Yeah. Well, yeah, done, because it, you know that matters. You know, yeah. What did you say, Michael? I'm sorry. They hear about my son. They hear about my son. I am very descriptive. Yeah. I wasn't there when he died. My husband was there, but he told me. And when they heard that my husband had been with him an hour before, they were talking about sports. Um, uh, Chris or Gino, he had a. Um, curfew because of being on house arrest at 10 o'clock. So my husband Gary and Chris were talking and they were talking about sports for an hour and a half. My husband said, I'm going to go to bed now. And he went upstairs. He came down because the light was on. It was about two hours later and there he was lying on the floor with a dog. What a picture. I saw these mm. kids crying, crying mm. in the audience. Do you want to do that? Do you want that to be your life? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's it's horrible to do in a way because it's so it's such it's so visual. But if you don't yeah. do something like that, that then they they have the opportunity to say nothing's going to happen to me if I use yeah. this. Yeah. So that's well, uh, what I say. Okay, Michael. Okay, I've uh. I bought your book and I haven't finished it yet, but uh, one thing I have, uh, one one thing I admire about it is that it's honest, and uh, you, you yeah. don't hide anything. Yeah. You you don't try to present yourself as the uh, the Cleaver family or anything like right. that. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you're very honest about how about Gene and the family. Uh, and, uh, let me tell you. I like Yeah, I, I'm sorry I couldn't hear that. It's a little. Are, are you on a cell phone or a land phone or I'm Michael? On a cell phone. Yeah, Michael. I'm sorry. I, oh. I'm getting. Oh, I thought here. we couldn't. I couldn't hear what you just said. Could you repeat what you were just saying? Because I, it, I get, something was not working. Here. I don't know. Did you hear, Kate? Did you hear? Yeah, because you're sounding blurry now. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I Are you in the same place you were when you were talking? I can't hear. Uh, Kate, can you hear Michael? 
It's broken up. I can hear a little. Yeah, I couldn't hear either. I I know. I kept missing it. I know. Okay, I'm having trouble hearing you, too. Oh, now I can hear you. Yeah, now I can hear you right now. Okay. Yeah, all right, that's good. You you want me to try again? Yeah, just talk. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, well, let me know if, if I start fading out or okay. anything. Okay, I will, I will. No, I was yeah, now you're fine, that's pur- fine. It's fine. Okay, I, I purchased Kate's book. I haven't finished it yet, but I have uh, I really admire what she has done. It, it's not a sanitized version. She, I mean, she, she yeah. from what I've read so far, it, it, it presents, you know, the how how bad things can be with a family that has been hit with this. Yeah, because the whole family is in it. The whole family. You right. can't, you know, I mean, and, that's, that takes up everything. Right. It's, and, that's and the family situation. She doesn't, she, she doesn't present the family like the, the you know, the Cleavers, like, you know, Lisa yeah. the Beaver or anything. I mean, it's just uh, the whole family has been affected by this thing. And I, I can really understand and see why this book would resonate with so many families uh, and anybody whose life has been impacted yeah, by opioid addiction. I, I think yeah. I think it's really a good book. Yeah, I mean because well, you know you. when when you go out and talk, I you know, and I hope you do go out more, you know, because I think that people do relate, you know, when it's a you know a family story that you know because a lot of them know what that's like, you know, because even if there's three children and one or four children, whatever amount, if there's one child that has an addiction, the entire family and the other children suffer just as much because, you know, that becomes the focus, you know, the focus of the family. Exactly. And and people focus on the addict because he's the one causing the issues. Right. All the other yeah. ones get left behind. And they're pissed. Yeah. They want some attention. It's yeah. hard. It's very difficult. hard. And it's hard in the yeah. marriage. I mean, cousin and I think came so close to uh, separating because we weren't on the same page. And yeah. that's awful because we had a great relationship. And here we are with a drug addict son, and and it's and it's splitting us up. Yeah. Well, right, right. Because, right, you want, you know, that's, you know, that's the thing. When you're married, you hope to be on the same page on every issue. But when you're not... It's very difficult because yeah. you know, and, and the child is pulled from both ways too. Because if you're not in agreement on how to, you know, you both want this to go, the child doesn't know which way to go either. Right. I mean, I was all for tough love, and you leave. I, you know, I, I yeah. can't stand you here. I like this. It just had so many flashbacks for me for for my. Um, other family members that I was with <clears throat> growing up, and so I couldn't stand it. But my husband was, hey, you got to give this kid a break. He, it's freezing out. you got to let him sleep somewhere. And I said, well, maybe if he's cold, he'll think twice about it. But the thing is, he <laughs> just grabs a blanket, finds some um, uh, cars that were open in the neighborhood and sleep in them. And uh, the people mm. would even see him in there and then say, okay, Gino, that's okay. Come on in the house. <sighs> like, everybody was everybody was enabling him, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know, because it's human nature that you want to help the person, but even though that help might not be what they need at the time, but that is what happens. You know, if you see someone that needs help, you want to take them in. But there are, you exactly. know, a lot of them different effects of what the reason is in that, you know, you're not, they're not looking at it that way. They don't want them to be out there alone. So, you know, but that's right. when it becomes difficult, you know. And so yeah. when they, have you spoken to a group where, where there are families and the kids? Or just the kids? Yeah. You have, with the family? Um, no, not like that. It's been more, um, it's been more the kids, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, if they had a group discussion, it would be good for you to talk to people because I think, you know, other family, you know, I think, you know, even though the, the child has the addiction, let's just say, but the parents are suffering. 
with the same way you were of what to do. You know, yeah. and and you know, doctors they'd say one thing, but you know, they don't get into it. It's you know, when somebody else has been in that situation, sometimes that does help talking to them because otherwise you're always sometimes a parent might think well what do you know you even if you're a doctor it's not happening in your house but when it's exactly. in your house it's a lot different mm. you know than it is if you're just you know not talking to the parents too because sometimes you know sometimes it is hard for parents to um really believe this is happening I'm sure you know that. You don't want this to be the way your kid turned out. No. But and then no, and they don't no. right. And they can't really talk to their friends about it a lot of times because their friends don't understand and sometimes they wouldn't want to tell their friends. Well, I was I had a book um signing the other night and some of the parents were there that the school he went to and the kids couldn't make it because they were out of state, but they went for, the parents went for him. And they said they never knew Gino was high. He was always just this fun, happy yeah. kid. He was the captain of the the football, the baseball, uh, hockey team. You would never know he was high. He hit it so well. Yeah. I think what he did, he only got high enough. So it wouldn't hurt him when he was um, skating. And yeah. then afterwards, he finished and he drank, and everybody just thought he was drinking like the rest of them because he didn't like to drink. He didn't drink a lot, so it just seemed yeah. he had this little buzz on. So that's what I'm <sighs> guessing. I mean, yeah. I tried to be as honest, Michael. I did try to be as honest as I could. I can't. I can't say any more than that. I didn't want. To make up anything, I didn't want to, you know, do anything where people wouldn't believe me. No, yeah. I think it's like, I think you did the right and thing. It, sure it's very believable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you mean? Oh, are you saying that people, when you write the book, you know, they're thinking they didn't believe everything you said? What I mean is, I I wrote this that it would be truthful and believable. Yes, it should be right. People that. People that know me, I am that way. I, I don't do anything but that. I don't lie. I don't right, do anything right. and to stay. So I wrote yeah. the book that way. And well, that's, so well that, right, because right, that that's exactly right. Will get it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You don't want to hide because then that wouldn't be the real story. You know. Right. I mean, because yeah. You know, because, you know, and believe it or not, you know, because I had written a, a Holocaust survivor story, and then sometimes somebody would say, you know, that they didn't like what the the main character did. And I'm going like, this is her book. This is her story. It was true as, as she told it to me. And I can't, you can't change it. Like, you know, they don't like the way somebody acted. Well, that's the way it is because that's the story. Yeah. You know, exactly. you can't change it. Like in a book, like Michael, you could have changed your story because you, it's a fiction. Too. You know, you can change sure. fiction, but when it's real, you can't change that. You know, that's the story. Whether people, you know, think that it, it was, it could happen that way or did happen that way, it did because that's the story. You know, you can't well, you know like move it around to make it, you know, better. It is what happens. Yeah. You know. But people, you know, uh, people tend to sometimes, you know, do that a lot. But you can't do that when it's a, a true story. It, it is what it, it is. What it is, like it or not, it happened. Well, you know, the old cliche. I, you know, I, sometimes, I, sometimes, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And uh, yes. I, I think what what Kate has done, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a story that's straight from the heart, and it's it's, it's yes. painful. I'm sure. I'm sure there's yeah. tears that she shed while writing the book. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's it's an honest, and uh, I think it's 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 an important book for people to to read. Yes, I you know because you know the parents you know, and I think that you know listen, nobody wants to believe this could ever happen, but it could to any family, and it probably has in a lot of families that you may not even know about that you know. You know, they, some people just don't discuss it, but what you're trying to do is bring it out there so you 
what if you can help somebody, even one or two people, then you're happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Michael, you can ask him. Uh, you can ask her any question you want if you have a question that you wanted to ask her. Now I want to say the uh, the current issue of Time Magazine is is, is devoted to, to the opioid crisis, and it's called the Opioid Diaries, and it's really an, an oh, interesting. And it's it, it 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 has photos and it has background and it 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 just shows you it reveals how the epidemic cuts across all all parts of society. You know, the rich, yeah. the poor, the middle yeah. class, the young, yeah. the old. It's just a, it's just it's it's it's, it's tragic and it, it and it's real. And. Uh, but it's it, it's 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 an excellent issue, and uh, anybody interested in in the opioid uh, crisis need really need to pick pick you know pick up a copy copy. Well, I think that's good that they're you know putting it out there. You need to because that was it's a big issue. I mean, it's a family relationship life issue that mm-hmm. it, you know this is really how families are and what could happen and what you should know, and you know, and I do think that a lot of people don't don't get it and the more that mm-hmm. people talk about it i think they'll understand it you cannot hide certain things under the rug these are important mm-hmm. issues you know i mean and whether in fiction you know you know a lot of times people you know sometimes would say you know when they're watching tv and i've i've heard this a lot they'll go like well that's just tv well no that's not true because tv movies they are taken from real life you know people don't realize that writers just if you're writing fiction, it came from somewhere. Exactly. You know, right. and and exactly. it is a lot like life. So you know, they go, oh, it's just TV or just in a movie. No, this is life, and, and I think that we're seeing that more and more. You know, whether we want to see some of the things or not, we do, and some of the issues that are coming out are real, and they're just done as fiction because you don't know who it is. But these are issues that people should know about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We yeah. just, we, what was how I, I heard about the Time Magazine thing, but I didn't. Um, did they pick people, uh, Michael? Did they find people that were addicted, or did they? They worked with uh, law enforcement and counselors and uh, yeah. other folks uh, from 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 coast to coast. And I think Boston's featured in it. Kentucky, Ohio, you know. Uh, and, and there's there's very graphic photos of people with with needles stuck in their arms, uh, that, you know, little you know anecdotes or whatever or stories about how a person uh, yep. you know became addicted and what they're doing now and uh, try to you know, present some solutions to the problem. Yeah, because that's what we need to find out. You know, you need to find that out. And yes, schools have to be involved in this because it's starting somewhere. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you can't just ignore these issues anymore. You know, it's important. You know, you don't want always, you know, the, a lot of times schools don't want to get that involved with, you know, their life at home. But it, it matters a lot on their mm-hmm. education. You know, if it goes full circle. And I think that they don't realize that it matters what goes on. And sometimes if you see a child that's probably having a hard time, there might be something going on in their house that, might be something to look into because they're not learning because yeah, they can't. Yeah, you can pick up on it. Yeah, you can pick up on it. That's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think that all these things, and that's why when people are writing books, you know, and un- unfortunately you lost your son and that is so hard, you know, f- you know, it just goes from your heart that you're saying this. But, you know, and it's good that you decided to write a book like this because you will help people. You know, well, and it's you know, not an I easy book to write. Before he died, he he said, um, I really feel like writing a book because he had a couple of bosses that told him that he could change a lot of people's lives by telling his story. And so unfortunately he wasn't able to do it, but I was. Well, so that's I'm, good. I'm I mean, that was that's, that, that's like, right, and that is so important. You know, and 
I mean, you know, and that's it, you know, like a lot of the bookstores now, they're not having signings or things like that. And it's unfortunate because people do like to hear these stories. And um, I, I know you asked me about audiobooks. I don't want to forget to mention that. So are you saying that you'd like to do this book in an audiobook? Yes. Okay. All right. Like what you have to do, and this is for people listening, if they are authors out there, what you do is you go into acx.com, and that is Audibles, which is a division of Amazon. And if you have a book on Amazon, you can fill out um, the form that they have, and on ACX, and then you can go, you can, you are, they ask you if you want to go 50-50 or you want to pay the narrator. If you put in 50-50, then the narrator will get half of what you make and you get half and Amazon handles, every, you know, Audible's handles everything. And the contract is all not your contract, it's theirs. And um I think that I happen to love audiobooks and I think, you know, um it I think there's tons of people listening. It just needs to, you know, people a lot of people still like to read a book, but it's it's very I, I really like it. I think you hear every word, you understand it, you stop yeah. and then you, you know, I, for me, I'm a type of reader that reads over things and I could miss it. So, um like Fran Lewis is a great she can read a book, and no matter who it is and no matter what book it is, she gets it for everybody. I mean, I've known her for eight years, and every single person says the same thing. She gets what the writer meant, but a lot of people don't. But if it's an audio, you seem to hear it a lot differently than if you're reading it. So, is she so I, I think it would be a good idea for you to do that. Is she one of the people you use for um, audio? No, not Fran. Fran is the one that reviewed your book. Oh, oh, all right. Well, Fran, oh, yeah, Fran okay. Lewis, right, right, and that you know because no, she reads books like nobody else, you know, and so <clears throat> when she, she understands every book, but I'm saying like like someone like me might not, you know, I read and I skip over things, but so when you're on a, when your book is in audio, a person does not miss any of the words. I they see. hear it all. Yeah. yeah. So when you do it on um, with ATF, yeah, um, that through it, does, it won't cost you anything because it's fifty-fifty, and you make you know, and they and someone, you know, when you fill out the form, someone will hopefully say they want to narrate your book, and then it's all done okay. through them. Yeah, and it, you know, I think it's a really good way for a lot of people, you know, to uh, read a book and really understand it. And it, it, you know, I, I love it, you know. Um, but there are people that don't like audiobooks. But it, you know, you see it on lot you on a TV all the time. They're always saying Audible, Audible, and that's what it is, you know. And um, they do a good job, you know. And you don't have to pick the first person. You can pick another, you know, if you don't like the way the person sounds. You know, because that matters in an audio yeah. book. It matters, yeah. you know. Um, but, Michael, were you going to say something? I don't know. Did you – about the audio? No, no, no. no. Okay, yeah. I think that, you know, I think that, you know, however busy someone is, you know, the good thing is they're on Kindle, they can, they're can. on the train. You know, so life has changed a lot, you know, and um, – yeah. I think that there are times when you always say, I'm too busy, I can't read, I can't listen, whatever, but you can now through different ways. So I think for people that are authors now, you know, even if they're independently published, they have a really good shot at getting their book out in a lot of places. Yeah, you know. I believe that too. And, right. So and, um, with the audio, can I just ask, when you go into so, Amazon, do you just don't go in ACX? on Amazon. Don't go on Amazon. Go acx.com. I'll send you the link. Oh, acx.com because it's it's a just a it's owned by them. But acx is the way you find it. You I don't go it. in the same so way. Yeah. You right there and then, or uh, do, no. What was I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. They charge you. Do they charge? No, you don't pay. You right You're there. not going to pay for it. You don't pay. Oh, you get, it's you just get, it's fifty fifty. You put in fifty fifty, and then 
uh, they a narrator hopefully will uh, want to do your book. You have to wait till somebody wants to do it once it gets out there, I and they, they'll pick up the book. But right, and it's not. But and there are there's a, a, something else you can pay too. You can also pay for audio, but that could be very expensive. So I mean, I've been very happy with the fifty-fifty, and it's uh, they do a good job. They really do. It's a good job. And um, you know, and also you know, last week I had um, the KindleBookReview.net, and there's a lot of different ways to get reviews and to have more people see your book than there were in the past. You know, so I, you know, and. and Naturally, you hope that when you do a book, you can get your book out there to as many people as possible, but there there is a problem right now only because there's so many people out there. You know, it's, well, you know, um, I know that you use Fidelity Publishing, and, you know, in, if they, you know, if you don't want to wait for years to get your book published, a lot of times that's the best way to go is go independently published, but you have to go to someone like you did, like Fidelity, that knows what they're doing. You know, uh, you know, and that's the thing. You know, uh, it's it's so different now than it was fifteen, twenty years. ago. It's very different. I mean, your book and you know can get out now much more than ever before. You know, people are reading eBooks. It's you know, eight years when I started doing shows, or nine years. We I remember having certain guests on, and we'd say like, oh yeah, eBooks are coming. Well, that's not true. It really exploded fast. And it's it's yeah. very different in the market now than it was then. But the thing is, you know, when you have a, a important topic like this, this really is a good way for you to have people understand what you went through. And you know, it it does help for other people to hear you or to see you and read your book or if you get it in audio, hear it because it may they may miss something in life, and they may catch something that will help them with their, a family member. You never know what that will do. Exactly. Oh, well, that was you know. a big help, really. Thank you. You know, and, you know, Michael, I mean, you have other books, so are, are you going to continue on in the same series, or are you going to do some other books? I'm a, I plan to continue in the same series. Uh, I'm working yeah. on, the, on the third book now, and I hope to see yeah. it published uh, later this year. And it's uh, it's it's going to deal with some other issues, plus also the opi- opioid crisis. You know, the in the other two books, their son Brody has a has a drug problem, and it, it, it's going to address some of that too. But it's, it's yeah, I think that's a good series. thing. You know, because like uh, I was saying before, even if it's fiction, it's important because it's it's come it's coming from the truth. <laughs> I mean, so that right. you know you you know I don't real I don't think people realize how much authors research things you know when you're writing mm-hmm. a book you're and you're a journalist you know so you're not putting in information that's just coming out of nowhere or well, exactly you know? it's just, uh, and that's really important okay it's, it's being honest with my readers and yes. being, being honest with myself as well uh yeah well, mm-hmm. I, I i agree wholeheartedly I, I can take some liberties with things of course you know changing names and uh and embellishing but things but right Exactly, but, it's, but, it's, but you know, at the end, you know, I, I want truth. I want the novel right. to be honest and truthful. Right, you know, and when it comes from the person's heart, you know, even if it's you know fiction or nonfiction, it's a story. You know, which is why the, the name of my show is a good story. Is a good story because that's the truth. That's why over the years I've had lots of different people on with lots of different stories on different subjects, and you know. It's important to people to hear all these things, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that people are getting a wide range of authors out there, you know, and Amazon, you know, they they try to, you know, watch what's going on there, but there's too many people now. So hopefully, you know, they'll get it together with figure out because the reader suffers when they don't when there's so many people out there that are writing books that maybe shouldn't well, even be there. Yeah, Marsha, I've, I've read where there's every day there's five thousand new books. There's about a million yeah. new books every year. Yeah, see, right, right. So, so that's, imagine that's that. Imagine, imagine that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. So where, so where can they find your books, Michael? So they'll, you know, know where they can find your books. Really, the best thing, the best place would be on Amazon. 
Yeah, all my all my books are there, and uh, I have an Amazon page, uh, so it's it, it's in the, under Michael Embry. Now I also yeah. have a website, and all your other it's, books are there too. So all your books are there, so that's a good thing. Right, and they're in print and and uh, digital, and I also have a website. It's uh, MichaelEmbry dot com. So uh, I'm pretty easy to find out there. Just type in Michael Embry, that's and good. you'll find me someplace. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I did find. I absolutely found you. Okay, Kate. Yeah. Kate, well, I'm just I'm just writing his name down. Michael oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm Kate, K A T E Genevieve, G E N O V E S E book dot com, and uh, and all my books are there, and yeah. Yes, you have it. You know, and I, and I, you know, I thank you for coming. It's hard, you know, what you've done. I mean, and I'm so sorry that you lost your son in the, you know, while, you know, while this was all going on. But you know, hopefully, by you being out there, you will help another mother so she doesn't have to go through this. No, I hope so. Or father, or father, or father, and you know, mother and father, to have to lose their child you know, for something that, you know, maybe they can get some help. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much, really. All right. Thank you. And, you know, I hope both of you, you know, uh, stay well. And thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, that's it. I'm used to doing a show at night saying good night, but it's not good night. So it's just, you know, and next week, next Tuesday, I have some romance authors on. And we will have a different time of show because that's a fun show. But this is an important issue, so we need to do these shows also. And take care, both of you. Yeah. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.